Now, adjust the volume control so that the sound can be heard in all parts of the room. This is the Protect Your Assets podcast. You get the idea? It's on the internet. Make him the cutest that I've ever seen. Go on. Give him two lips. It's like no cheese I've ever tasted. Here's the Sandman. Welcome to Protect Your Assets. I am David Hollander, your host. And I will be your drill sergeant this entire month. As we roll out our New Year's Resolution Boot Camp. It's so great to be with you this morning. I have a great show planned for you today. For those of you just joining us for the first time, welcome. People around here, yep, they call me the Sandman. And that's because I help my listeners sleep well at night by answering their most troubled legal or financial questions, and that's because I've been doing financial advising and practicing law for 30 years. We are live in the studio in downtown Oakland, California. It's a beautiful day. So this entire month, we've been helping you get your financial life together. And if you have a business, whether it be a string of gas stations or a Fortune 500 company, today my guest is a business consultant highly sought after, has helped many companies turn it around. And let's face it, we're going into a recession. It's going to be a tough year. So what can you do to, I don't want to say cut corners, but make smart decisions so your bottom line becomes a better bottom line? (laughs) If that's something you're concerned about this year, maybe you started to make some changes already, but maybe you just need some help. Well, this morning, my guest and I will be covering things you need to know to keep your business healthy in 2023. Now, let's get started. Well, it was another interesting week on Wall Street. The Dow finished down 2.7%. The S&P was down just about as much, but it came back Friday to finish down 0.7%. NASDAQ up slightly, 06 International index just off about a half a percent. But the oil industry and bonds was where the action was this week. Oil finished up 2.3% to close at 81.73. And bonds up 3.6% for the week. So we had a positive start to the year the last couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden, investor sentiment changed, got a little more mixed. Stocks didn't like what they saw during the week as we saw weaker manufacturing news, U.S. consumer not really showing up, and then you had the uh, labor number on Friday, on Thursday, which wasn't very good, uh, and all of a sudden stocks didn't like it. So then we have earnings, and earnings so far have been mixed, and estimates from companies are starting to move lower, which means less revenue to companies. And that's why today we're going to be talking about businesses. But backing up, markets have been following earnings this last week for any signals about growth. Because as you remember, the two themes this year we're looking for are growth and inflation. They do go hand in hand because that sets up stagflation, which we want to miss. So about 11% of the S&P 500 companies have reported so far their fourth quarter earnings. And the results, frankly, are quite a mix. They're not where they need to be. So earnings for the quarter so far 
have fallen overall by about 4% annually and the first negative growth quarter since 2020 that we've seen. So things are definitely starting to slow down. And so far, we've heard from most of the big banks out there. And while many are seeing consumers continue to spend, they're also preparing for a slowdown ahead. And in fact, as part of that, they've increased their reserves. They've laid off a pretty significant portion of their employment. They've lowered wages. They've also cut uh, payoffs you know, for bonuses and so forth and made pay adjustments across the board. So you're hearing about this, which is just a sign that they're getting ready for something that's coming. And we had the first large cap technology firm report this past week, Netflix. The company missed earnings. And this was driven largely by currency fluctuations. But overall subscriber growth came in ahead of expectations. And this is what supported the stock and the broader technology sector on Friday. And I'll come to that in a second because I got a really good question from Trey. But before I get there, the big question I've been asked is, are we going to get a soft landing? Because that's really what people are concerned about. Will the Fed get it right? Will the recession that we're going to go into, at least that's my opinion, will it be short or long? And it's all about the soft landing. So what that means is a definition of a soft landing is inflation falls faster than growth. We're going to talk a lot about that today. Inflation falling faster than growth. This allows the Fed to stop raising rates and do what's called a pivot where they turn it. Well, first of all, they'll stop raising rates and then they should turn around and start lowering rates if the economy looks pretty good. And in doing so, that usually helps the market. But we, we have to have the facts that support that. And so I'll say overall, inflation is declining. And we did just say this because of companies reporting growth is slowing. But the Fed rhetoric is not changing. It's still pretty harsh. And I expect this February 1st, which is coming up, they are going to hike rates by about 25 basis points. Now, the big question is, will they continue to hike rates or will they back off? Big, big uh, diversity in that decision so far. So don't, you know, don't, don't just say, well, that's it. No, it may not be it. Because it's not clear to me with what I just saw last week that we're going to have a soft landing. And why is that? Well, Thursday we had the labor number. And remember, I kept talking about that. The labor number has to get up to 300,000 unemployed. If we don't see that number getting up or raising, labor is still tight, expensive. We'll talk more about that. If you're a business, what do you do? How do you, how do you continue to grow your business if it's costing you more to stay in business? Great question. And that's what we're seeing when it comes to unemployment numbers. 190. 190 is far off from 300, right? Yes. So that's there. And costs are still high, right? Across the board, you go out and buy stuff. It's still expensive. You want to put a pipe in your ceiling? You want to get a roofer? Good luck, right? I just want some plastic on my... Well, I can't show up. Sorry, I'm busy till March. I'll see you then. What? So we have a problem there, obviously. So I think it's hard to justify the S&P trading right now in the 3900s. We closed in there Friday. 
And until there's actual progress on achieving what I'll call a soft landing, I'd be skeptical. And I'd be ready for 5 to 10% pullbacks, which I've been calling on the S&P. It's not over yet. All right. Now, Trey asked me a question. Because remember last week we were talking about the fundamentals of the S&P. And if you missed any of that, we do a podcast. Protect, go to your favorite podcast, type in protect your assets and listen to the market segment. It's five, seven minutes. So Trey asked me this. Trey says, hey, Mr. Sandman, when you talk about technical levels of the S&P, which I'm going to give you in a second, so be patient. For market direction, does it matter that 75% of the constituents are in a bull market and that the laggard tech is holding down the S&P? Should we be looking at other indicators? Thank you, Trey. Okay, well, Trey, that's a great question because you are correct. Measures of market internals, including what I'll call breadth or volume, matters. And it should be monitored. In addition, you're asking me about the, the percentage of tech in the S&P. Good question. So if we look just at the S&P 500, that's all I'm talking about right now, the trend, at least technically, as I talked about last week, is bearish. That means that we're going to see more down before we see up. That's what that means. And from the surface, it doesn't matter whether the bearish trend is being driven by one sector or style, or if the market weakness is broad across all types of shares, when I'm looking at it broadly. We first just want to identify the trend in stocks. Now, to your point, identifying that the stock market as a whole is in a downward trend is one step. From there, I want to look at where the opportunities for capital preservation and growth are within the stock market. So if we look at investment style, I'm going to reiterate that I like value. Value names are decidedly more appealing than growth right now because of where we are in this economy. When I look into sectors, I like consumer staples. I like energy. I like financials, healthcare, industrials, and materials. These all could outperform against the broad S&P 500. And I've talked about that specifically. So if you miss those, Go back and listen to market segments from previous weeks. Now, I would avoid right now communication services, consumer discretionary, and technology because I think those will underperform as we continue to go on through what we're, I'm going to call mud. We're, we're slogging through right now. Now, it is important, as you point out, to note that three sectors out of 11 that comprise the S&P 500 are underperforming right now. Tech consumer discretionary and communication services. And like you point out, that accounts for 40%. Think about that. Those three out of 11 account for 40% of the S&P 500, while the six outperforming sectors only account for 54%. So the dynamic is why I'm saying you're going to see sharp declines here because this heavier weighted tech sensitive sector has negative influence on the broader market when things don't go right. That makes sense. So good question, Trey. Awesome question. Thank you for that. So what are the indicators right now? What are the resistance levels? On the upside, we want to break through 4020. All right, 4020, that's the upside resistance. On the downside, it's 3840. We got close last week. 
3840 and then beyond that is 3720 and then 3657 all right so there's your support when i come back i think this year is going to be relatively difficult therefore if you have a business whether you're a small business or a medium size or large business you need to think about your overall business you probably made plans but are those plans going to work i have a business consultant here with me today And we will be back to help you make some smart decisions as you get set up to crush it this year. You're listening to The Sandman. We will be right back. Take the first step toward reaching your financial goals and get the information that can help you live a confident retirement. That first step is going to PYAEvents.com and signing up for our next free event. That's PYAEvents.com. Now back to protect your assets with David Hollander, the Sandman. Welcome back. I'm David Hollander, also known as the Sandman. And you're listening to Protect Your Assets this morning. And this past week, we saw that a soft landing may or may not happen as the labor market continues to be pretty tough. So if you have a business and you're trying to make a profit this year, the fear of a recession entering into stagflation, all these sort of business influences that you cannot control, hopefully are on your agenda and you're thinking about. So this morning, as part of our boot camp, I decided to bring in a business consultant Elijah Fister, who is my friend and colleague. Good morning. morning. Elijah, how are you? Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. So let's talk a little bit about fighting stagflation. If you have a business and you have a product that everybody wants, what do you think? Is stagflation going to be a problem for you? Probably not. I mean, I think if you're in a situation where you have a really strong brand or you uh, sell and market essentials, probably not a big deal. You're going to be all right. You'll be all right. You'll make it through, yeah. Now, how about for the rest of us? For the the rest of (laughs) us. What does that look like? Right, exactly. Um, For the rest of us, it's a little bit more challenging, but there are some tools, some things that you can employ in your organization um, that can help battle stagflation. And to be clear, I, I don't think we're going to be at 1970 level stagflation, but certainly I think a lot of uh, founders, CEOs, managers are probably thinking that, you know, clear growth is going to be limited and uh, costs are going up. So they're feeling the pinch. Absolutely. So, so the, mar- the margin's much tighter, right? Exactly. And when you're looking at a market that might not develop to the degree that it has in years past, it hurts. So planning for it effectively, I think is really uh, probably the most benefit to your company. So, All right. So what are some simple things as a business owner you could do right now to drive more to your bottom line? Absolutely. Well, some of it we're actually already seeing. You you mentioned this in your previous section, uh, getting efficient. So you're seeing this in the tech sector already, uh, reducing overheads. You're starting to see some layoffs come through and you're starting to see that seep into other industries as well. So that's one step. I think another trick is to... You know, it's, it seems a little trite, but it works, is to go small, shrink it. You know, a great analogy is if you had a pound of potato chips that you were selling before for $3 selling for the exact same price, three quarters of a pound, you're making up a little bit of difference. But I think that can extend to services as well. I mean, in these days, you can offer a reduced set of services, limit some of the inputs in terms of costs. And if you market it correctly, you actually might develop some clients that you wouldn't have before. 
Um, so I think that's one other tool you can use. Uh, I think if you pare down your portfolio and offering, I think you saw a lot of this in Q4 of last year, but you're going to see some of that more in early 2023. If you have, say, 100 products or services you're going to market with, taking a look at the winners and the losers and really feeling what, what, what uh, makes the most for your bottom line probably makes sense right now. Now, when you do that, so let's say you spend a lot of, and I, this becomes somewhat personal as a business owner, right? Sometimes you feel, well, I need to have this particular product just because it makes me feel really good about my vision and what I'm trying to do with my company. But when you really look at it from an economic standpoint, it may not be the right time to sort of go bigger on that, right? Correct. So it sounds like what you're saying is more meat and potatoes, get fundamental, do what, do what, you know, you know, kind of cranks money in the door there and just maybe back off on some of those bigger plans right now. A hundred percent. And I, I think if you are very honest emotionally and financially about the things that drive business, right. um, you'll drop out some of the things that maybe you've been wasting your team's time on or you know, maybe not wasting, but you know, spreading them a little bit too thin in areas versus areas that really put money to the bottom line. Now, let's talk about getting your staff focused. So you know, let's say you have a company, you've got a bunch of uh, folks doing different things. Mm -hmm. How do you how do you get everybody sort of on the right train to understand what you're trying to do and sort of focus on the things that are important that are going to drive your bottom line? What are some things you could do to to help people get on the same page, get on the get on the bus together, right? Certainly. Yeah, I think a lot of groups are probably going through this right now or they've just gone through it, but I, I kind of think of it in, you know, six easy frameworks, right? So I think starting with just big picture uh, you know, oftentimes I'll come into an organization where if I was to talk to the founder or the CEO uh, about what the long-term vision of the organization is, they'll say, you know, X, Y, Z, right? right. And the next question is, does the team feel the same way? Do they understand what the, uh, the, uh, the long-term vision of the, of the organization is? And they'll say, absolutely. Yeah, no, without a, and I would say, you know, five times out of 10, that's actually not true. <laughs> so I think bringing in your senior management, your team to be part of that process, understand what the long-term vision and making sure those things are aligned sure. is really effective and, and, and fundamental, right? And especially in times where it's challenging, when we're going to go through some you know, potential recession, uh, maybe the first half of this year, maybe you know, long, longer term, aligning what your long-term goals are with what you're doing day-to-day -day with your team is absolutely fundamental. Mm -hmm. right? And so- and that's a, you know, that's a tough, that's a tough situation, right? Because maybe your goal could be to sell your business. Maybe it could be to uh, keep it going for, you know, another 10 years, et cetera. So again, getting clear about that, I would imagine is pretty important. Absolutely. Knowing what your timeline is, is very key. Uh, in fact, I spend a lot of time with clients talking about timing and especially in years like 2023, I think understanding while the goal may not change, what your long-term goal might not change the time at which it actually takes to get there might need to be adjusted, mm -hmm. right? And that is something that is often overlooked or understood, but is fundamental in terms of achieving success, right? If you're a leader, if you're a founder, a CEO, and you're constantly talking about, hey, you know, this year we're gonna take over the world and everybody else is just mired in day-to-day -day duties trying to get this you know, next quarter done, there's a disjointment there that needs to be uh, addressed, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, kind of expanding your horizons might be something that is key to finding long-term success without overwhelming your team. Now, uh, as 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 it is early in the year, we're looking at um, unknowns because certainly right now it looks like labor is not getting any cheaper. It's certainly not getting uh, more abundant, mm -hmm. uh, particularly with 
the high skilled folks. So, you know, do you have any suggestions around how, if you're going along, you need a key person here, a key person there? What are some good ways to to look at something like that? So you don't derail your machine just because all of a sudden you have this this pop-up, this expense, right? That's just going to knock you out. So is there any anything you can do to sort of get more efficient about that? Certainly. And I think this is often something that comes up in times like this where uh, managers and leaders will actually put off doing things that will fundamentally help the organization because they think the expense is too high. Yeah. And I think now more than ever, we have the opportunity to bring in contract work, I think you can get very creative with your conversations with your existing staff. I mean, you might not even know that you have a star on your team that has an expertise that you really do need to be part of your organization, but you think they might be too expensive or, you know, whatever the, the, uh, you know, concern might be sitting down with them, having a realistic conversation about what their wants are, what they need. You might find that a key staff member who is about to retire is fine with coming down to three days a week. Or if you thought that there was a new initiative that would get you to where you need to be in 12 or 24 months, but you don't have the money to afford it, bring in a contractor uh, so that they can provide the expertise that you need under a short time period. And then you're not dealing with all the overhead and expense that comes with hiring an entire team or a group. Those are just a couple you know, ways to combat that that I think now more than ever are available to us. Mm-hmm. Is it, and does it make sense to, how do you find someone like that? I mean, you know, it's a, I know, I know you do that, but I mean, how do you, how do you typically find someone who's, who's good at what they do and that you can, you can have faith in that they're going to help you? Because again, a lot of, as you know, a lot of business owners are going along they realize, oh, this is about to happen. It's sort of like, sort of like coming up and hitting a wall going a hundred miles an hour, right? It's about to hit you. You don't have a lot of time. You got to make a decision and it should be a right decision because if it's not, it's going to cost a lot. It's going to be painful and you're going to wish, well, I wish I didn't do that. Certainly. So how do you, how do you, as a, as a business leader, how do you, how should you be thinking about that? What kind of resources, again, just sort of quickly, how do, how do you do that? What would you do? Certainly. I, I think a lot of us find ourselves when we're focused on our, our businesses every single day, we don't do what we need to do to get down the path uh, long-term. And that's just tap our resources. You know, we have networks of individuals and professionals, friends that we can tap into very easily. I, I hate saying this, but it's actually true. Google is there. You okay. can find uh, plenty of resources on the web these days. And now more than ever, I think, you know, given this gig economy, you can find some really talented people out there in not too short a time. Okay. All right. And so, so it sounds like just do it. If you can get a, if you can get a referral, that's also probably pretty good, especially if it's in your aligned business, maybe a friend or something. Absolutely. I think that's often overlooked as people don't tap their, their network, the individual network that they have. Go on LinkedIn, start spending some time on there, or just picking up the phone, going through your, your own directory. You have plenty of people at your fingertips constantly that you probably don't reach out to when you should. Mm, good point. Mm. All right. All right. When we come back, Elijah's here. We're going to talk about this year being challenging. It's going to get more challenging you may be disconnected from your staff. You may want to know how do you how do you get everybody on the same page? What are some fundamental block and tackling techniques that are sort of basic? We're gonna go through that. When we come back, you are listening to Protect Your Assets. We'll be right back. If you missed any of Protect Your Assets with David Hollander, all you have to do is go to PYARadio.com where you can download or listen to our latest shows for free. Just go to PYARadio.com on your computer or mobile device when it's most convenient for you. That's PYARadio.com. Now back to Protect Your Assets with David Hollander, the Sandman. Welcome back. Welcome back. I am the Sandman. 
Today we've been talking about your business. This is a challenging year. 2023 is setting up to be a pretty challenging year. And the big question is, will the Fed achieve a soft landing or will we be looking at stagflation for a period of time? And if you're a business owner, what can you do about it? How do you get yourself prepared? And what can you do to make sure you have a good year this year and not uh, possibly run out of money and run out of business? These are things that we have to deal with as a business owner. I know it's tough. And so today I brought in Elijah Fister, who's a business consultant who's worked with many, many companies over the years and has some pretty good ideas about things you should be thinking about right now. So good morning, Elijah. Welcome back. Morning. Thanks. You bet. Um, all right. Well, let's get into it before uh, we get started. This is one of our fan favorite parts of our show, the They Say segment, where they say it makes sense to do a SWOT analysis. Who are they? What do they know that I don't? And what are they saying this week? Here's David Hollander, the Sandman's answer. All, I know is that I don't know. All right, so they say you should do a SWAT analysis. Does that stand for the guys in the in the van with the guns? Elijah, what is that? Should you always do a SWOT analysis if you're uh, in trouble? Uh, yeah, I, I love the <laughs> setup there. <laughs> Um, it, you know, it might sound really basic, but I, I like the SWAT, actually. Okay. You know, I think... And let's just be clear. We're not talking about the guys in the van, right? We're not talking about right? the guys in the vans with the okay. guns. We have plenty of those. That was one of my favorite shows growing up as a kid. I, I really enjoyed that SWAT there, show. Anyway, there, there let's get go. back to it. Right. Yeah, SWAT, ana <laughs> SWAT analysis, no rifles included. Okay. Um, you know, you're reviewing your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities, and your threats to your organization. And All right, so that's SWOT. I'm sorry, I just want to be basic. That's SWAT for SWOT. Okay. All right. What does that mean? Like, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah, so more or less, you're taking a tool that's been uh, around for a while. Okay. And it might sound very basic to a lot of managers who have been around for a while. But honestly, it's a great tool to use because it kind of breaks down the communication level between you and your staff, your team, and allows them to bubble up ideas and review certain parts of your organization that might not get touched uh, from you know day to day, month to month. Yeah. So I, I think it's a great tool, quite frankly. Now, how would if you're a business owner, you've never done this, but you've heard about it, you'd like to do it. Let's say you had uh, 40 employees or 50 employees. What would you do? How would you uh, how would you approach this? Certainly. I think, you know, employing the efforts of the team and getting that involvement from the team is really important. So depending on how your business is structured, either mm -hmm. by business unit or within certain uh, segments of the organization, you can have your managers work with your team members to actually develop their own SWOT okay. analysis of the organization. And then at some point, you're going to want to bring it all together. And I think that's really where the power of something like a SWOT comes in, is getting all of the thoughts out on the page together mm -hmm. and making sure that they're well aligned. Because you know, as senior leadership might be focused on something that's five years down the road, you might find out something that your managers are dealing with day to day that you didn't even think about. Right? Sure. So the, again, this is a great tool. It kind of takes down the volume. It provides some support for your team to get forth their ideas or what they're thinking about the organization. And it gets it out on the page in a very structured and, and supportive manner. All right. So let's say you've done that. Then what are some other basics? What would you do next? After yeah, so, you did something like that. Right. So we've talked about big picture. You know, you can use tools like SWOT. 
you know, oftentimes this is where the train comes off the rails, so to speak, is, you know, when you're setting up your goals, you know, oftentimes I'll come into organizations and they'll say, you know, a goal is to grow revenue. Okay. Well, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I really like the, the terminology I think that's used as smart, right? So you get very specific, you're measurable, they're achievable, they're realistic. And we talked about timing before as well, right? So, you know, smart goals, right? So if you're, you're hearing from somebody, uh, we want to reduce costs. Okay. Well, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, You know, what is specific about you reducing the level of costing for your products or your services, you know, get really dialed in. Is it measurable? Is it something that's achievable within that year? You know, and given the climate in which we we work in right now, you know, is it even possible for somebody to reduce costs if, you know, uh, we're talking about the inputs for those costs are related to transport? Right. That some operations manager or production manager doesn't even have control over, right? So make it very specific to the things that your team can control and then it'll have meaning. So good. I think a good example, just practical example of that would be, uh, let's say you had a marketing budget that increased quite a bit because of COVID, right? Pre-COVID, things were a certain price. COVID happened. Marketers got a little more creative, said we want to keep business going, so we'll cut costs in half. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, 21 was was a great year, mm-hmm. great year. And then now people are going to 22, having much higher costs for certain things. Now that we're in 23, those costs may be about the same or rising, and it may not be the most efficient way to do your your marketing, right? So is that where you might look at all the different marketing channels you're doing, see which one's getting some reaction but not costing as much and then devoting more resources towards that? Is that a pretty good example of something like that? That's a, that's a great example. So layering out all the areas, the initiatives that you actually have up for your team to use in 2023, seeing what their costs really are, the true costs, and also their outputs. And that yeah. kind of leads us into things like you know um, performance uh, indicators that you can track along a, a, a timeline to figure out whether or not this thing is costing you more and more, if the results are getting you more and more results that benefit your company. And along a certain timeline, you'll be able to determine whether or not this initiative is worth keeping going or not. Now, you just mentioned something, again, as a business owner. Some A lot of people that I talk to get into business because their father or they, they became into a position just because they worked hard. Um, some of these terms, these are business school terms like KPI, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't know what a KPI is when I started. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've learned that. But what does that stand for, KPI? So key performance indicators, right? So you have your your goals, yep. right? But getting to your goals might come in quarter timeframes or year-long time, timeframes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, basically a KPI more or less... Um, uh, explains the path along the way in a clear manner for your team. Meaning if you have uh, a goal, for instance, to uh, reduce costs, figuring out a cost per unit over a timeframe is a KPI and making sure that you're lowering it over a certain timeframe. And one key point about a KPI is one, you know, you don't want to, you know, overwhelm your team with a ton of KPIs that just become you know, meaningless to them, yeah. but also you don't want to burden them with the actual, that they're just constantly keeping up with the KPIs. You want to keep a couple of them at hand and you want them to develop over time. A single data point is not enough to change a business strategy, Okay, but over time, a trend can develop that is meaningful. So give it some time. Don't overwhelm your team with KPIs. Um, and, 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 you know, just Keep a couple. You, know, you don't need. You don't need ten. All right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's a good point because sometimes we get we get all these great ideas. We want to you know follow them all down because we think <laughs> it's the magic bullet. 
right? But that it's just too much. It's more, I guess that's the shotgun approach, right? Where you just blast it instead of being more focused. A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Pick gotcha. a couple, stick to them, you know, give them some time to develop. <laughs> that's, that's great. Thank That's perfect. Actually. I like that. Um, so let's talk about that as far as time goes. How, how much time do you think you need? I mean, that's another one, right? Where you're spending money on certain things. You don't really know if they're working out. You're starting to see some positive mm-hmm. results. You don't really have anybody to talk to. So how much time should you give something? I guess that maybe depends on the industry, but what do it, you think is kind of typical as it, an average? It does actually, it does um, take time, develop over time, uh, some view of the businesses that you're you're developing. Mm-hmm. But I think companies can actually look internal and see what they've initiated before to give them some sense of how long they should let something develop before they make a decision on it. So you might have uh, historical data within your own organization of products that you've brought to market and before they really got traction, you can kind of determine whether or not how long this actually takes for a given product. Mm-hmm. Um, there are industry standards out there. You know, you can you can talk about the amount of marketing dollars uh, per product that are out there. You can you can find this sort of um, these KPIs that are out there either industry wide or within your organization, and then track to them. Okay, that's a, I like that. Um, is there anything else that you could do? <clears throat> let's just say to prepare yourself. Um, for, for what could be coming this year. Is there any other, any other ideas you have as far as something like that? I mean, I think we, you know, we've, <laughs> the term that <clears throat> keeps coming up uh, with a lot of leaders that I've been talking to is permacrisis, right? Oh, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Okay. It doesn't, doesn't sound lovely, but I think we've inured ourselves to this idea that there's a lot of challenges out there. Yeah. So we've got you know, COVID leftover. We've got you know, long lead times that are coming in. Uh, you know, costs are going up. We talked about that. Yeah. Um, I, I think something that is a forefront that a lot of managers are looking at right now is keeping talent in place, keeping the mm-hmm. right talent in mm-hmm. place and mm-hmm. putting your resources behind that expertise that can really benefit your organization and your bottom line. So in the Bay Area, it's been known that a lot of people want to work from home, Mm -hmm. right? So you've got a lot of people now leaving their lease spaces, trying that, trying that because the staff is asking for it. We want to work from home. You know, what do you, what do you think about that as far as allowing your staff to do something like that, given this new post COVID environment where it is seemingly okay to work from home? I mean, what do you, what do you say about that overall? Right. I would say most clients right now are in the in-between. Mm-hmm. Right? Hybrid is not perfect. Everybody admits that. Okay. Uh, but I don't think you should really throw it out uh, just yet. You know, we've, we've, you talked about it before. We have a really tight labor market. We really need to attract uh, our stars and our talents. You know, we're seeing what's going on with Mr. Musk's organization right. over at Twitter. Yeah, selling <laughs> furniture on auction last week. Yeah. That was I, interesting. I, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I, I think there's balance in all things, and I think we're going to walk through this. It's not something you have to jump into. And I, I, I've heard from plenty of senior leaders who take the stance that an organization takes with regards to hybrid work as a signal to how you know uh, uh, creative they are, how um, – open they are to different ideas. So it really is the stance that you take against that sort of uh, work is, is important. It says something about your organization and, you know, your stance on creative, talented, supporting your employees and providing an environment for them that they feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense. All right. Now, when we come back, we've got one really good idea. If you are a local business that you can do 
to implement now if you find yourself getting in trouble with supplies. So we're going to come back and talk about that here in a minute. When we come back, you are listening to the Protect Your Asset Show with David Hollander. I am the Sandman. We'll be right back. Take the first step toward reaching your financial goals and get the information that can help you live a confident retirement. That first step is going to PYAEvents.com and signing up for our next free event. That's PYAEvents.com. Now back to Protect Your Assets with David Hollander, the Sandman. Welcome back. I am David Hollander, also known as the Sandman. And for those of you who run a business, 2023 was looking pretty good a couple weeks ago, and now all of a sudden it looks like the Fed may not achieve a soft landing with labor continuing to get tight, supplies getting unavailable in some cases. As a business owner, what can you do? Well, this morning I brought in an expert in the area, and we've been talking about what you can do to save your business. But before we get back to that, so getting back to it this morning, we've been talking about businesses and what you can do to help your business for 2023, because after all, this is not looking like it's going to be the year that everybody thought it was going to be, unfortunately. But hey, we've got your lifeline here as we continue to help you with uh, your financial goals this year. My guest this morning is Elijah Fister, and Eliza is a business consultant who's been doing this for uh, many, many years and has helped many, many businesses. And so Elijah, we were talking during the break about the situation. I, I love this line. When the line doesn't run because a single component is constantly missing, that gets expensive real quick. What are we talking about there? And what does it what does it mean if you've got things in your product that aren't available and you've been getting them internationally? What are some options you could do today? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, you know you you bring up a great use case um, that a lot of uh, organizations are dealing with, have been dealing with through the pandemic. But I think it's really shown the light on getting uh, the term that I keep using is uh, close, expensive, and safe. <laughs> and you see a lot more managers and owners uh, looking more locally for their inputs to their components. Um, they're safer, they're close by. They might be a little bit more expensive. Obviously, we're dealing with a lot of inflationary issues with things that are more expensive, yeah. but they're safe, right? And you know, the quote that you, you just used is a great example where when you're really drilling into the points that cost you more money, um, lead into increased costs of goods, you know, running the line is just as expensive as the component's cost itself if it's manufactured over in China, for instance, or Taiwan or something mm -hmm. like that. I think a lot of organizations are really doing that internal work right now and recognizing that if the line doesn't run, you know, two days out of five or, you know, half the shifts out of the week, then that leads into their costs and it's not not a benefit to them. So uh, a, a conversation that I was having just a month or two ago with a senior leadership who's in consumer products They've moved everything to Mexico in terms mm. of their their inputs, their components, and in here in the United States. And while it might seem a little bit more costly, you know, you talked about this before, inflationary pressures are going up all over the world. So it's right. not as cheap to do business over in China as it used to be. So mm -hmm. those costs have actually come to parity. And in years like 2020 to even 2023, I would say that your cost of goods going into your inputs, going into your production are coming into parity. So you have to do that calculus of whether or not you really need to have things done overseas to, to really make the, the margins that you used to. Mm -hmm. A good point. It's a great point. Well, hey, I want to thank you for being here today. This has been very informational, very educational. 
for all of you out there who have a business, if you need help and you've been wondering what you can do, I'd like you to do one thing right now. Sit back, inhale through your nose, exhale through your mouth, and picture a day when you don't have to worry about your business anymore because it runs itself and it produces that profit that you've always dreamed of. Picture a day when you're sitting on a beach with your significant other, enjoying a nice cocktail, looking at the horizon and wondering how you made all this happen. <laughs> Picture a day when you can relax, travel, and do all the things you've always wanted to do. Well, it starts with just getting some help. You know, like a good team, they need a good coach. And we can be your coach. You can pick up the phone right now. You can get some help. We're here to help you. Pick up this phone right now. Call this number, 866-PROTECT. If you're driving right now, pull over or talk to Siri. Say, hey, call 866-PROTECT and talk to a member of my team right now. We'll set up a call where we can get you some help. Again, 866-PROTECT. I'd like to give a big thanks to the Protect Your Asses team for putting together another great show today. My executive producer and network manager, Kevin Renfer. And of course, all my fabulous producers <clears throat> back there in the studio doing all the hard work. Raf, Phil, Cam, Adrian, thank you guys. Because without my team, I'm just another pretty voice on the radio. Thanks again, everybody. You have been listening to the Protect Your Asset Show. I am David Hollander, the Sandman. Go out and make the rest of your life the best of your life. Investment advisory services are offered through Liberty Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. The strategies mentioned are not suitable for everyone. The information expressed is not considered your specific situation or objectives and may not be appropriate for all investors. Past performance is not indicative of future results. To better understand the risk associated with investing and how it reacts to different market conditions, listeners should always consult with their qualified investment professionals, financial advisors, legal or tax specialists and conduct their due diligence before making any financial decisions or taking any action. The legal information provided on the air is not intended to substitute for callers hiring their lawyers to advise them about personal legal matters. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Liberty Group LLC paid for the following program and the host's views and opinions do not represent those of the station or its ownership. California Life Agent number 048569. Persons engaging the services of one affiliate of Liberty Group LLC companies should be aware that each company is operated separately. You're listening to the Protect Your Assets Radio Network.